gotta lift myself up, brush myself off. DSR Live, a member benefit of AFDR, the Association for Food Service Distributor Representatives. Just in time, reality training, interviews and discussions with food service professionals. at Highliner, so most people do know us by Viking, FPI, Icelandic, uh, that all became part of Highliner and kind of rolled up. And, and so while they're part of Highliner, those are still brands and part of the tiering that we have within our brands that are, you know, depending on the processed and unprocessed sides of our business can mean a little bit different things. But for the most part, we are the leading provider of frozen seafood and processor and marketer of value-added seafood within North America. So we're really known as a, a one-stop shop for seafood. So you look at the number of species that we have, the millions of pounds we do in each one of those species, that's really the differentiator, right? So if you look at distribution partners that we have, especially on the branded side, you know, you can fill out a full truck of product with mixed species, which is unique to Highliner compared to some of our competitors. Once you get lower on the scale, what you'll find is that our competitors become very species focused. So they may only do shrimp or they may only do salmon. And so that's really the biggest differentiator between Highliner and, and some of our competitors. Let's get your sales approach on selling frozen versus fresh. When you run into a chef or a kitchen manager or even a dietitian that says, no, I only want fresh, say, why would you sell frozen versus fresh? Yeah, so that's a, a great question, right? And a, a pretty complicated question because it can be very species-specific. So I'll talk in just general terms, I think, is the best way to approach it. And then we can dig into you know certain species or subsets of fresh. But, you know, first and foremost, I don't think it's an either or, right? I think that there's room for both. We believe in increasing seafood consumption, whether it's fresh or frozen. Define what is fresh is always a question that I ask when I get asked this question. Fresh to me just means refrigerated. It has no bearing on the time it takes for that product to make it from the water, wherever it's coming in the world, to the plate. When I look at frozen product, majority of our frozen product is frozen, you know, one hour to 36 hours of being taken out of the water. So that frozen product is locked in that frozen state, that freshness is locked in, coming right out of the water, and then it makes it to its home wherever it may go. Compared to, to fresh, one of the things I love is when you walk into a restaurant, and you guys have all seen those chalk menu boards sitting outside, right? And it'll have fresh catch of the day, Atlantic salmon. And so Atlantic salmon, that automatically tells me it's a farm product. There's a really high likelihood it's probably Chilean. That's where the majority of farm salmon comes within our country. So think about the process that it takes for that Chilean salmon in order to make it to a plate. Let's say where I'm at in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's got to come out of the water in Chile. It's got to go through processing. Then it's got to be uh, put on a plane, taken to Miami. From Miami, it's usually overnighted to a distributor. From a distributor, it sits, and then the order is fulfilled, shipped out to the restaurant. might sit in the refrigerator, you know, depending on how often that restaurant is ordering. But you're looking at three to eight days, something like that. For me, you get start getting out to eight days or so. You know, would you eat that product? Would you still think it's fresh? I mean, I think what most of us have been taught once you get out past a week is when you start to generally clean out the refrigerator, right? I think there's just different ways to look at it. You know, that fresh and frozen argument, is not going to go away. There's, it's going to continue to always be an, an argument back and forth. To me, with frozen, you know the quality that you're getting because it's locked in within that one to 36-hour period. And you look at the yields, you look at you know the timing that you have to use it, 
you know, a lot of people won't be able to go through fresh and turn that product over. So having frozen and having it on demand and following it as needed works as a better option. Maybe walk a DSR through the steps, whether it's Icelandic or Fisher or we'll say your top grade product, that single frozen, how that's done and the difference, second, third, fourth, what that means so that when they hear what we're talking about, that they'll have a clue and be able to actually tell the difference. So really there's three tiers and I'll talk specifically about cod. This can be related to other species. So with cod, you'll have frozen at sea. That is the top level tier, the highest quality product. Generally when, you know, highest quality also relates to price. So it'll be the most expensive as well. It is caught and frozen at sea on the boat, just as it sounds. So, you know, within hours of being pulled from the net or from a line, if it's a long line product, will be frozen at sea. It'll show up in your laptops as FAS, which means frozen at sea. So that is the highest quality tier. The next is 1X or one time. It'll show up in your laptop as 1X. That is frozen one time, which means it's caught on the boat, brought into, in this case, Iceland, and it's cut into portions or kept as whole fillets and frozen within the plant. So a little bit longer time between when it's frozen, so it's caught on the boat, has that transit time back to port, and then it's frozen within the plant. That product will not be treated, will not have moisture added to it, and this is speaking only for highliner. So that's once frozen cod, uh, could be portions, tails, loins, but will not have moisture added to it. From there, you have twice frozen product. So twice frozen product is caught for the most part the same places that the once frozen products or even the frozen at sea products are. So it's frozen as headed and gutted fish, and then they cut portions or fillet it to whatever specs need to be brought to market. And then once portioned, it's frozen a second time. Now generally, because of that, there's moisture or tripolyphosphates added to that product. And so tripolyphosphates help the moisture retain within the fish. And so you're adding some moisture, a few percentage points, in order to keep the product moist and to keep it from dehydrating as it comes back to the states because of the long transit time. So that's really the three tiers of products. They're generally in the laptop defined as FAS or frozen at sea, one time or 2x for a twice frozen product. Actually, the largest growing portion of business for twice frozen product is untreated. Highliner has been at the forefront of getting to an untreated state, right? Getting to a cleaner label is what the industry is going for. So tripolyphosphates are an additive in order to keep moisture within the product. What you see with twice frozen, if you have really good handling of it, that moisture is not necessarily needed. So we're looking at removing that. We're also looking at new technology where you don't have to use chemicals and still keep a clean label while adding some moisture back into the product. So I think that's where you see the future of fish headed. You know, one percentage swing in water in any seafood product can make a pretty significant difference as far as price. So you can hit just about any price point that you want, but that requires adding moisture to the product. And I think using a little bit of tripoly and shrimp, it keeps them nice and moist, keeps them from drying out. It actually enhances the flavor, but there's a tipping point. If you start to focus on price and less on quality and put in too much moisture, you reach that tipping point where you start to impact the quality of the product. And we've all run up against that in the market. If I'm put on the spot, my favorite product that we're selling today is Faroe Island salmon. So that's product of the Faroe Islands. It's a small country, uh, basically between Norway and Iceland. It's a little speck on a map that you can look up and find, but 
It's farmed salmon. It's raised in cold water. So most people are familiar with Chilean salmon, which is a warm water salmon where they do use antibiotics. The Faroe Island salmon is antibiotic free. It's cold water, so they don't need the antibiotics. And cold water salmon produces a fattier salmon. So a fattier salmon is just like a, a good steak where it stays nice and moist as you eat it. So it's just quality product as most people, when they think about salmon, they think about it being dry. And when I've tasted it with people, I mean, people are just blown away by how moist the product stays and what a good, clean flavor you get out of it. A big question that a lot of DSRs are confronted with, with our independent operator customers out there, what's the difference between Pacific cod and Atlantic cod? Is it the same fish or not? Or Yeah, so they are two different species, right? And it starts with where they're caught. Obviously, uh, cod, Atlantic cod is caught in the Atlantic and Pacific in the Pacific. We refer to, so I'll talk, when I talk ACOD and PCOD, that's how I'll refer to it. So ACOD is Atlantic cod, PCOD is PCOD, but two different species, for the most part found in, in very large volumes. Both have MSC certifications, depending on uh, the specific areas where they're caught. So they are available MSC certified as well. For the most part, Atlantic cod is caught in the deep waters of the North Atlantic versus Pacific cod, uh, mostly in abundance uh, in and around Alaska. Most people will tell you that peacod is sold mainly on the West Coast and ACOD is generally on the East Coast. And what we found is that that's really not true. There is both of the species found throughout the United States. And while there is a little bit of regionality, uh, we see very good volume for ACOD out on the West Coast and for PCOD out on the East Coast. And I think a lot of it is, you know, what the company, what the distributor has carried. Uh, majority of distributors focus mainly on PCOD out of the gate because PCOD has always been, uh, uh, most recently been, a little bit less expensive than ACOD. So if you label it as COD, you know, generally people will look to price and PCOD has been less expensive. So we do see uh, in terms of what's caught throughout the world, it's about three to one ACOD to PCOD. And so that may surprise a lot of people that actually the more expensive ACOD is uh, what has a larger volume uh, of what's caught around the country. In terms of taste and appearance, you know, majority of the products, you're not going to tell a major difference unless you're cutting them side by side. And there's probably some fish guys on this call that are rolling their eyes that can tell you every little <laughs> nuance side by side. And I get that, right? And I have those same guys within our company that, that react the same way. Uh, in terms of flavor, Atlantic cod has a little bit of a slightly sweeter taste than peacod. got larger flakes and that tend to fall apart uh, when cooked, where peacod is a little bit more mild. It doesn't have that sweeter taste, and it's a little bit more firm or chunkier flakes. So that's really the difference. Most of it, the preference comes down to consumer's personal taste. What I find a lot of times is that when you're in the back of the house in a restaurant, they've bought peacod for 30-plus years. That's what they're always going to buy. Or they've bought acod for 30-plus years. They're not going to switch. It's what their dad bought. And so you know, really comes down to consumer preference. If you have a consumer that's just looking for cod, you know, doesn't have a preference either way, most people will generally lean toward peacod because you are buying it at a little bit of a, a discount between the two. But, you know, cutting them side by side, you will notice those subtle differences. Cutting them, you know, one off, you're probably not even going to notice. Big partners with DOT and continue to build out that relationship and look at stocking new items each day. We have just over 250 items that are on stock status, and then we have just over 550 total set up at DOT. So that leaves about 300 or so that are special order. 
what is the sample process if they're buying from DOT or if they're not buying from DOT to the DSR if they want a sample of your product? So we've outsourced a lot of our sample orders to DOT. So one of the things we heard from DSRs is that if you guys told me, hey, I need a sample of this for cutting with a customer, by 3 p.m. today we can have it out tomorrow and in the hands of the customer the next day. So they've done a lot of things with samples just to be more DSR friendly. Our company believes that putting in product in the mouth of our customers is what sells product, right? Always had a policy within our business that we have to sample product. We have to get it out in front of customers in order to sell it. So we have a very liberal sample policy. You know, we utilize brokers throughout the country. Just contact those uh, brokers. They have access to the Dot Expressway to be able to pull product, or we can ship it in direct if it's not available through Dot. And then, as I talked about earlier, Dot Foods can turn it uh, next day if need be. We also believe in pulling product from distribution. If the product is in stock, we absolutely believe that it should be pulled from stock. The distributor will bill stack for the cost of that product, and let's get it in front of a customer. So if I'm looking at the label and it's got uh, MSC, I think Marine Stewardship Council, or FIP, or is there one more trustworthy than the other, or are they all trustworthy? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. So you're talking, in this case, you're talking NGOs, right? MSC, the Marine Stewardship Council. MSC is mainly focused on wild species. You'll have others focused on aquaculture species like BAP, best aquaculture practices? I believe yes. I think those third parties keep everybody on an equal playing field. So you have certain audits, certain paperwork that must be provided in order to be MSC compliant. So we're not only the largest supplier of seafood within North America, we're also the largest within that sustainable seafood, which would be that MSC certified seafood or BAP. But yeah, I think anytime you have a third party it helps to tell the story, right? It's one thing for Highliner to say, yes, our seafood is sustainable, but I think that there's apprehension amongst consumers to, to believe companies, right? And so when you have a third party that doesn't have skin in the game, they can audit on behalf of those end users and keep everyone in line. I think that's a good thing. Be a resource and sell something.